Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hi guys, Santosh here, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. And sadly, there is no Dr. Ward this week. He still exists, don't worry, <laughs> but he's out seeing Batman versus Superman and could not join. Ah, oh, priorities, priorities. Or if you're following the whole travel medicine metaphor, his pet carrier did not make it to our particular layover this time around. So he's lost in a conveyor belt somewhere. Which is a real shame because it's time for one of his favorite segments, which is Journal Club. Yay! Yay! So this week I was looking through all the different articles and papers and trying to figure out what the theme should be. And I was doing this on a treadmill and looking at my Fitbit, and I was like, you know, <laughs> wearable technology is pretty darn cool. And the idea that I can have my, my heart rate and calories burned in miles just a mere glance at my wrist away, I find to be fascinating. Yeah, it, it's really pretty amazing. And we're still at this early phase of wearables where they're kind of, you know, extra fun toys that pair with our smartphones a lot of them can't do anything really by themselves but if they're applied in the right way and you have a few little bells and whistles added on all of a sudden they become amazing medical monitoring devices so this week's journal club is going to be dedicated to wearable medical technology or you know, fun little games that help to improve your life and your health by the day 
This first one, I just came back from Bar Trivia, and one of the questions they said is, Mountain Dew recently held an online poll <laughs> to... Yeah, you already know where this is going. <laughs> I just, I just love that a soda company would would have anything to do with health. <laughs> they should, well, well, they should re- really just yes, you have doctor in your name, or you know, if it's Doctor Pepper, but you know, just just cash it in and be like, you know what, we're here to give you yummy stuff. Uh, we have nothing to do with health, but yeah, go go for it. Tell tell us about Mountain Dew. So, Mountain Dew recently held an online poll, and online polls are all the rage. In case you you didn't know, there's a $33 million research boat in Antarctica that, because of an online poll, is going to be named Bodie McBoatface. (laughs) And Mountain Dew decided to get in on the spirit of this and asked for the users and drinkers to come up with a name for its next new flavor. Yes. And the top three choices for Mountain Dew's next new flavor, and we do not endorse any of these, I just find them hilarious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In no particular order, Gushing Granny, (laughs) Hitler Did Nothing Wrong, and and Diabetes. There you go. Yes. And I think if if you're going to go with apropos, you've got to go with option C there. So keep an eye out and see if the research scientists on Bodie McBoatface are drinking a refreshing can of diabetes. (laughs) On a giant tangent to bring us to our first bit of wearable technology from South Korea, actually. And this is a glucose sensor that you can wear, or as I like to think of it, the diabetic Fitbit. (laughs) Yeah, the, a tiny little wrist-based continuous glucose monitoring device. Just a, a little bit of background here. So diabetes mellitus is anything where your blood sugar is exceeding the limits of where it should be for a particular condition. So if you're fasting, meaning that you haven't eaten for 24 hours, your your blood sugar should be at a certain point. If you've just eaten, your glucose should go to a certain level, but not above that, etc. Josh, I know how you love etymology. Do you remember what diabetes means? Sweet, sweet urine? Oh, no. So that's mellitus. So melita or melitus is, is sweet. That's the sugar part. Diabetes, remember, so in medicine, we have diabetes insipidus and diabetes mellitus. So diabetes just literally means to go through. The old thoughts about diabetes, because people with diabetes pee so much, is that, oh, everything's just going right through you. You have to drink a ton and you have to pee a ton. So that's diabetes. Everything is going right through you. And then mellitus means it's sweet, meaning that when the stuff goes through you and ye old doctors before we had sugar tests would taste the urine, they would taste sweetness. I imagine it tasted a lot like Mountain Dew. Oh, there you go. (laughs) And looked like it too. (laughs) So... When you have diabetes and your blood sugar is high and all of the destructive things that happen from your high blood sugar, the number one first step to figure out how to control this is to monitor. And 
Right now, the standard is still to take a needle and to pierce your skin, either on your arm or your finger, and sample your blood. And the more frequently you can do this, the better, because you kind of construct this graph throughout the day of how your blood sugar does. And using that information, you can choose what to eat and how much insulin to use, etc., etc. But the ideal is to have a continuous sensor like the one that uh, you're about to introduce, Josh. Right, and this is actually the idea of monitoring your blood sugar throughout the day is not just for people on insulin. People on metformin or pills can be taking it too. Sure. And a lot of the articles we've covered before have to do with the artificial pancreas, which is supposed to be the all-day yeah. insulin pump. The team in South Korea is actually approaching this from a different angle. They're trying to develop a wearable device to keep diabetes under control, a skin patch that's made from graphene and senses glucose in your sweat. It's connected by wires to a portable analyzer and when blood sugar is too high, it will release the drug metformin through microneedles to lower it. So graphene is thin and flexible I mean, this is not the greatest analogy, but you can almost think of it like a slap bracelet in terms of how aware of it you are once it's on you. Right. And when the device is worn, the microneedles would pierce the skin, and they're, they're about 250 micrometers in diameter, which is too small to even detect, so, and, which means they're also too small to cause pain. So all of you who have a needle phobia out there don't have to worry. Yeah. Now, the way this works is that when the patch senses glucose in the sweat that goes to whatever the determined level is, it switches on a tiny heater that's included within the patch. The heater dissolves a coating on the microneedle so that the needles can get into the skin and release metformin. Now, the reason this actually would work is because they're doing it in mice, which are much tinier than people. Yeah, tiny, Barring tiny little two. bracelets. Yes, barring master splinter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the work is suitable for early stages. The amount of metformin that can be released in one patch would not have any effect on somebody of human size at this point. However, the ability to accurately measure glucose from sweat and have it correlate to glucose with blood is really the major breakthrough in this technology right now. So they still, the team in Korea says they still need to reduce the cost and increase the reliability of the sensors over a longer period of time. But on the whole, I think a lot more people would rather put on a patch every time they want to check their blood glucose than have to do a needle stick, even if it's a minor one through the finger. Yeah, and you know, I uh, uh, being a pediatrician, you know, we we I know Josh, you and I both see patients with diabetes, and it's hard to keep people on track with their both their taking their medicine and monitoring their glucose because you know if you don't have the data, you don't know how to adjust medication or diet, right? So. This is particularly infuriating with our teenagers. <laughs> and if anybody out there listening has ever tried to get any teenager to do anything, especially if it's good for them, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So being able to have a piece of wearable technology that it takes one less thing that the 
patient or the user has to do on their own in order to collect information on their blood sugar and just allows that information to be collected passively. Sociologically, it's a great, wonderful technology to help people get healthy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just looking at other, the internet names things on Twitter. Okay. And this is more things after the Bodie McBoatface debacle. <laughs> And somebody put up a picture of a snake and called it a danger noodle. (laughs) I saw that. I'm going to call that, especially if I ever go back to Australia, those are very dangerous noodles. Yes, everything (laughs) in Australia wants to kill you. But not the Aussies. They're very friendly. Human beings are are good. Uh, Every other creature not on two legs is trying to murder you. Everything in Australia is poisonous. (laughs) My favorite guidebook, and it's real, you can look it up, is called Come to Australia and Die. (laughs) That's got to be popular. Wonderful. Yeah. So that's the first one. Moving on to our next story, not technically a wearable, but we do always have our phones on us. And I think doctors have started seeing a a problem that we're referring to as tech neck and Twitter thumbs from people who spend all their time staring at the phone. But what <laughs> if interacting with your phone on a daily, hourly, or minutely basis could <laughs> actually improve your health as opposed to harming it. And that's the idea behind our next story. So it's it's a lab in every pocket. And the Apple Store, or iPhone, recently released a research bundle kit, meaning that people who want to perform research studies can design an app-based survey or design something using the tools in this research kit and solicit the entire world to download their app and take part in said study, which is already pretty great in terms of how many people you can get to sign up for something. It's not so great when you consider follow-through, but we'll get to that. So there's a couple different research apps that have approached health in two, again, very different directions. The first one is called the Empower app. That's just M is the letter followed by power. And that is a medical app for Parkinson's disease. And every time it's asked you to download it, and by downloading and agreeing to it, you are consenting to be in the study. And it asks people with Parkinson's to complete tasks such as speaking, tapping on the phone, walking and balancing, all things which your phone can now measure using its accelerometer and the tools and the latest iPhones and Androids. The aim is to find out which tasks are the best measure of Parkinson's symptoms, meaning how fast all their problems progress and what problems become most early apparent, and then help people control them. So this is great because you can recruit a huge number of people quickly and cheaply, and only six months after launching the research kit, Apple announced that the first apps that made use of it had already recruited over 100,000 people among them. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, this is data collection on a large scale, and this is what we really, really love to do as researchers, is to be able to see people out in the wild, so to speak, 
when you're dealing with things like disability on a daily basis, like you do with Parkinson's, or even trying to map something like disease progression, you don't want to, you know, isolate people in a lab and study them in there. You want to be able to see how they do on a regular basis and then collect and capture that data and then be able to use that to come up with something useful to, to help them. So when you have a thing like a, a cell phone, which, by the way, if anybody out there is curious, if you're looking for cell phone access on this planet, we're talking about 95 to 98% coverage of the Earth can get some sort of cell phone data. And that's much, much better than, like, for instance, computer access or Wi-Fi access. So having these little devices and being able to record this kind of data is just fantastic. So you can capture all this on a large scale, and then you can do something with it. You can say, oh, we thought, for instance, that Parkinson's progressed one way, starting with a tremor, but it seems like they're having issues with speech first, and that's something that we can address. Or even balance. Or even balance, right. So now we need to start training our physicians and our therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and we need to start gearing towards those concerns first early in disease, middle in disease, later on. So this type of disease mapping and disability mapping is very, very precious. But I believe you're going to talk about this, Josh. The the caveat to this is they have to download it, and then they do have to self-report. They have to use it. Right. So while we all check Facebook 16,000 <laughs> times a day... Right now, maybe even... No, yeah. Even <laughs> even while recording this, I am still looking at, you know, the internet names things hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> uh, another good one, a crocodile is known as an American murder log. <laughs> but here's the catch. You can't, it may not be easy to hold on to all the volunteers. So over 10,000 people downloaded and signed up to use the Empower app, but only about five to 600 people use it every week, yeah. says the lead researcher. However, that's still a pretty large study for this kind of Parkinson's research, but it does appear that when signing up really only involves downloading an app, people are less likely to stick with it. Right, right. So this does go back to our first story that talked about, you know, passive recording of information the way that for instance your smartwatch or fitbit accelerometer gathers your steps the more that you can get information without the person having to do any input um, the easier it is <laughs> so um, we still do have a ways to go on actually getting the getting the data to work now there's another lab in your pocket research app. That... Uh, or are you just happy to see me? No, yes. sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, there's another one that tapped into what people really want to do and is having much, much better success with its research aims. And that is an app that lets you take a different kind of selfie, one that could end up saving your life. Ta-da! Thanks, Fox News Voice. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a relatively new app called the Mole Mapper. And it uses a familiar <laughs> map-like interface that lets 
that looks at the photographed data of each of your molds that you photo and records the dimensions of each mole digitally captured. And then it gives you reference points like average mole size, size change over time. So instead of whipping out that latest growth when you see your doctor at a party or in the market or just approaching me on the street. <laughs> so if you're going to whip out some random skin growth to show me, I'm going to take a picture of it with the mole mapper, show you what the standard numbers are, and you can track it over time and see if it's growing. Because as we will learn in an upcoming dermatology episode, the ABCs of tracking what could be dangerous moles. Do you remember them, Santosh? Can you think all the way back to oh, med school? Yeah, absolutely. So A is age, B is borders, C is color, D is depth, and E is edge or expansion. And so if, you, if you're tracking all of these characteristics, you have a first step in screening whether or not this lesion on you is benign, just like a, a regular workaday mole, or if it is malignant, like the start of a melanoma or basal cell carcinoma. And the website in Tech Times, where I found this article, actually gave a demonstration video of how it's used. Somebody takes a picture of a mole. It tells them, first, if they've taken multiple pictures, how their mole is compared to its previous pictures. And then it also tells them how their mole is compared to everybody else using the app without telling you anybody else's personal health information. Um, it also had a number of cleverly puns names like Moly Cyrus and Angelina Moly. Oh, so the first one twerks a lot and the second one is very sensuous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Twerking moles. Twerking. <laughs> Mole twerking. <laughs> so for those of you who would like to participate in these research studies and don't mind using an app, hey, you can better spend this time using a mole selfie than Candy Crush. Oh, absolutely. Now, do be aware that as we get into the realm of posting health information and registering for studies over apps like this, we are running into issues with... Um, you know, personal information, privacy, HIPAA, all these kinds of things. And as much as we try, these fixes are not perfect. And Apple devices have vulnerabilities and Android has vulnerabilities. So do be aware that, you know, if something catastrophic happens that you your stuff might end up on the Internet. So uh, use it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Be careful. But if, you know, you don't mind, you know, and, and you think you can help with some good research, then please, by all means, download these apps and, and go forth. Let's move on to our next bit of wearable technology. And, you know, I was really torn as to whether this one's my favorite or the final one we're going to cover. Because <laughs> they just... Well, I, it's, I mean, it's boobies, and who? Right. We, I think, we may have covered this before in our podcast, but I think the consensus is that everyone loves boobies. I mean, there's, you know, straight men, gay men, straight women, gay women, all have their preferences for sexual characteristics, but everyone loves boobies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The entire 
the entire spectrum of sexuality seems to enjoy breasts. And really, who who could blame them? So enjoying them as much as we all do, we want to protect them. We want, to, we want to detect when things are wrong. Not just sometimes, but always. And right now, the main way we screen for breast cancer is with yearly mammograms and self-exams. Although, Santos, what's the U.S. task force recommending? Are they still recommending self-examination? Yeah, so we did a very good analysis, I think, uh, nationally of what the self-exams show. And unfortunately, we did not get very good results. And I think the same might have been on the guy side for like self-testicle exams to try to find lumps. Occasionally, you do find something and you can alert your doctor. But breasts especially are varied enough in their, you know, firmness and, you know, nodule, not a nodule, fibrocystic disease versus, you know, smooth, that it doesn't seem to be terribly helpful. So I think the self-exam is off of our list of things to do. Um, But yearly mammograms are still effective in screening for breast cancer. Well, a group of scientists in Colombia... We are going all over the world this episode. <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, which You know, this shows the collaborative and international state of, you know, research. It's, it's absolutely awesome. So a group of scientists from Columbia and from their largest public university are developing a bra that can detect breast cancer using infrared technology. <laughs> right. The now, same thing that Superman me, uses. Let me read that again, just so you can let it sink in and simmer. (laughs) This high-tech bra, outfitted with tiny infrared sensors, Mm -hmm. records breast temperature and may help warn against any irregularities present. The technology is based on how abnormal cells generate more blood supply, resulting in changes in breast thermodynamics. Right. So So this is... (laughs) Yeah, Santos, take it away. Explain (laughs) how this works. As soon as I saw this, I was thinking of, what's the little thing on top of the Xbox? What is that little camera? The the eye? Yeah. The The all-seeing eye of Sauron? Yeah. Yeah, so your your Xbox camera, that thing, it has a camera in there to actually see you, which is how it, you know, play with. But it also has thousands, uh, not thousands, but hundreds of, of infrared beams that shoot out of there and trace your body outline so you can interact with the things on screen. This is the same kind of thing, only you embed all the emitters in the bra and you use the shape of the bra to look at, you know, to shine these infrared lights. And infrared is really, really good at capturing changes in temperature. So you can shine an infrared beam. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And bounce it off of something and have it reflect back to a sensor, and boom, you can tell temperature. And if the light source is close to the thing that you're trying to measure, so in this case, the bra, and you have, you know, millimeters away from whatever you're trying to detect, then, boom, you can fire. All of a sudden, you're monitoring temperature irregularities. Now, the difficulties here are pinning down the accuracy of saying, oh, there's a temperature difference, so therefore there's cancer here versus, oh, this is a false positive. Because, of course, even more so than missing a cancerous lesion is you don't want to be warning women of little lumps and changes in temperature all the time and making the poor woman paranoid that she's got little cancers popping up constantly. Right. And the thought here is that when there's a presence of foreign cells, the body would require more circulation and blood flow in a specific part where the invasive cells are found. So temperature in that specific area would increase. So this is really meant to be a supplement to other means that already exist to detect breast cancer. But it's it would be better and more reliable than breast self-exam, but still not as good as ultrasound and mammogram, which is the current standard of care. And, you know, ultrasound and mammogram can't be done constantly, but you do want to have some sort of home screening thing that you could do, not needing to sit down at a particular piece of equipment. Just boom, data right there. Now, this bra would not be Columbia's entry into the lingerie world, (laughs) in case you were wondering. Right. They've already established themselves in that particular niche, exporting $17 million dollars worth of undergarments in 2014 alone. (laughs) Now imagine if all of that lingerie from Colombia just had laser beams in it. (laughs) Cancer, potential cancer detecting laser beams. (sighs) And they complain that boys get all the fun. But you probably want to know, Santosh, all right, great, so it shoots lasers into boobs, but... Infrared, infrared, not lasers. It shoots focused light waves. (laughs) Fair? That's very fair, yes. So you may wonder, well, how is the woman to know if anything has changed? She's not going to sit there and be like, you know, my left breast feels a little warm today. (laughs) Well, this would be after minutes of use... Three small lights on the bra will deliver a diagnostic reading. Green light means no problem. Yellow light means there is a need to perform another test, while a red light cautions the wearer that a doctor's exam is needed. You can only imagine an entire generation of fathers 
saying anybody puts their hand on you and the light turns red means stop. <laughs> so many applications here. Yes, not just uh, breast cancer checking, but, you know, uh, stopping a, a boy from rounding third. That I don't know how practical it's going to be overall. Sure. Although sure. I feel like that's probably going to be the first widely available of all the various technologies we're talking about. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see it on Good Morning America in another year or two. Absolutely. And, you know, this is very early stage. None of this is ready for commercial launch. It's it's very, very wonderful to see people putting their energy towards um, screening for these diseases and making it convenient, safe, and available at home. So the last thing they need to do, and please, you know, reward my faith here, country of Colombia, keep it cheap and keep it widely available. Please don't go all Caligula on this and... Have, have you been to a lingerie store? Oh, <laughs> That's what I'm trying to prevent. Victoria's <laughs> secret is she has lasers. <laughs> you want to see what I've got on? Oh, just... somebody... hey, hey, you could put somebody's eye out with yeah, that thing. Exactly. <laughs> does, does this turn you on, baby? Oh, does this... oh hold on. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Not tonight. Got to go to the doctor. <laughs> Red light. Red light? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my god, you could play games of strip red light, oh, green light. <laughs> red light, green light. Red light. <laughs> Yellow light. Yellow green light. light. <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon to joke about bread, breast cancer. All complaints can be addressed to at Ward Han. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. His, his Twitter is at Travel and Medicine. Oh, but that's ours. Ah, oh, damn it. Word, get he your own. Gonna be, he's going to be so sorry he missed this week. <laughs> All right. Next so, up, Hit Parade. Moving on. This actually ties in a brief aside for a moment. Those of you who have been listening to our radio drama and providing feedback, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to address, I am aware of the issue with the music. It's because I am terrible at sound editing. <laughs> he's not. And, he's really not. He's, he's awesome. And I will be releasing a musicless track that has the voices only, so you can actually hear what the heck we're all talking about. <laughs> um, I'm also hard at work attempting to fix all these sound issues for the next episode, which will have a choose-your-own-adventure element. That's right. Where you decide. So look forward to that. But our next story is a tricorder. Or, Santos, you're familiar with the breathalyzer, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And usually we use it to detect if somebody is drunk. Sure. But <laughs> what if you could use breathalyzer-type technology to detect cancer? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you rather find out if you may have some kind of cancer, whether lung, liver, breast, whatever, by just holding up something and breathing into it? Yeah, there you go. And this is the latest in kind of a long line of various breath tests for disease type of devices. Um, Some of our most famous breath tests for diseases, which are already out, um, if you guys have heard of H. pylori, a horrible bacteria which can live in your stomach and cause stomach ulcers. There is a breath test now to check 
whether or not you have H. pylori based on the metabolism of the bacteria and what compounds it breaks down after you're given a little bit of you know, nitrogen for it to break down. Everything in our body, as it is made and breaks down, has a set of compounds that is excreted. And those sets of compounds has to come out somewhere, either through sweat or urine or stool or breath. And so a lot of these compounds can be warning signals for things like cancer. So the easiest thing to monitor for, of course, is something like lung cancer, is that if you pin down a particular compound that is created by cellular respiration of that cancerous cell, and when you breathe out, that compound is carried out through the airway, and then you just put a little detector on the end of it on your mouth, boom, you've got a cancer detector for, you know, that can maybe even be handheld. Right. Now, why did I reference our radio drama with this? Well, because the device was invented primarily by NASA. It yeah. won an, in NASA's Government Invention of the Year Award in 2012 and was presented as a new technology that could detect and identify trace amounts of chemicals in the air. And it was originally created to help medical staff crew members working and living on the International Space Station by monitoring for key biomarkers. So Scripps Translational Science Institute has partnered with a NASA-backed company to make a device that connects to a smartphone and samples a user's breath. Yeah. Now, I, I would like to point out, because I know there's at least a couple dirty minds thinking about it. <laughs> yes, the fact that this could identify trace amounts of chemicals in the air means, in theory, you could just as easily check your farts for cancer, detection, <laughs> uh, cancer compounds as your breath. But trying to fart into a device is a lot harder than you might think. It is. Uh, I don't know how many of you people can fart on volition. Uh, God bless you, but it's it's not all that easy. Uh, I would check the frats for that research. <laughs> Basically created the inside of a tricorder, you guys. Think of all those old Star Trek episodes where McCoy would just wave, would wave the device around a planet and be like, yep, seems breathable. <laughs> we have that technology now. Yeah. That, that exists. We can... We have now created something that can detect compounds in the air and analyze those compounds and make judgments based on that data. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful that you can have, this is for air, if, if you link it up with a light tester and a couple of other things, boom, you've got yourself a instant diagnostic uh, tricorder. So we are definitely jumping a few levels here you know you have to find out well what compounds portend the the disease how accurate is it how precise is it da, 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 da. but i think we're not too far away josh from being able to have a, a little thing in your pocket and say all right Something's wrong with me right now. I'm worried about either cancer or infection or something like that. You breathe into it, and it gives you like a little readout. Which brings us to our, our next story, and although not our final story, our final wearable device story that has me practically jumping out of my pants in excitement. <laughs> and into some new fancy pants. Yes, the fanciest of pants. <laughs> Electric pants. You might even call them... Smart e pants. 
And if you really, well, if you were diseased, you could call them smart e-pants. And uh, I think Josh actually has that disease. Well, well, we'll get to that disease as we wrap up our, our week. But first, let's briefly take a trip down to Calgary, where University of Calgary doctors tested special underwear by placing two pads... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to read this story verbatim because it's oh, too good. To oh, Canada. <laughs> so, University of Calgary doctors tested underwear by placing two pads of electrodes on each cheek of 37 patients with spinal cord injury, <laughs> then zapping them with a low current of stimulus for 10 seconds every 10 minutes, 12 hours a day. <laughs> For science! (laughs) The findings that were presented at a neuroscience conference in New Orleans showed that none of the patients who were thus treated developed any bed sores during the month-long trial. So just to to sum that up, (laughs) uh, we'll talk about bed sores in a moment, but these are called the smart e-pants, like electric pants, smarty pants, (laughs) and they, so they're underwear that works by delivering an electric shock intermittently to the patient's nether regions. The mild jolts of electricity will mimic fidgeting movements and force the patient to shift into a slightly different position, and this will prevent bed sores. Right. So essentially, these people can't move their legs and subsequently their buttocks when they're sitting in a bed or a wheelchair all day and you just place pressure on that area of the skin you get something called a pressure sore and these can be very shallow from just the skin getting thin and dying to going all the way to the bone so and and if you can imagine maybe like a 170 or 180 pound human being Having to check for these things or moving people in order to prevent these so that the pressure changes from, you know, cheek to cheek or front to back or whatever it is. There you go. (laughs) When you're shifting cheek to to cheek. cheek. (laughs) Oh, God almighty. So, yes, making fun of paralyzed people. This is what we do. Sorry, I didn't mean to butt in. (laughs) Don't be an ass. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> so there. this is one of these issues that is a simple yet really difficult to conquer problem in communities where people are bed-bound or chair-bound. So just really, really simply, if you can't work the body part out, meaning by moving your arm or leg or back or buttock, then you can be externally worked out and shifted with you know, small electrical stimuli, enough to make the muscle twitch. And the beautiful part about all of this is it's non-invasive, it's just external. You put on the smarty pants, all right, fine, I'll say it. And, you know, it, it just, it takes care of it all day. And if we find out that, you know, the electrical stimuli throughout the day is not harmful over a long period of time and these you know pants can be worn and um, it, it does help prevent bed sores you could essentially eliminate a problem 
from the world of bed-bound, chair-bound people, especially in areas like, for instance, nursing homes. So this is a simple, straightforward solution to a long-standing problem. And as much as we're laughing, bed sores are no joke. They're often sources for infection because it shows where skin breakdown is. Really, we there's a lot of debridement or surgical minor surgeries that have to go into them. Um, about 30% of patients in any given hospital have some form of bed sores. So this is really a major deal if we, if we see that this becomes more widespread. And patients apparently do like them, and they're easy to put on, and nurses like them because right. nurses won't have to be shifting patients every 15 minutes. It frees them up to go do a number of other things to help improve patient care. Absolutely. Um, uh, I will, I'll let just one more out. Do you know that this is actually not the original, this is the beta, beta version of the Smarty Pants. Um, you know, the first version was called the Smarty Pants. The widely available version now is called Smarty Pants 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I found those on a shop down on Electric Avenue. Well, you should rock on down to it. I should. I should. I think it's uh, like maybe two towns over, uh, maybe in Funky Town. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll send our research assistant there as she is an uptown girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you can't find it uptown, you could always go downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Santosh, I'm worried that we may have a disease. <laughs> we we are indeed very very ill individuals. Yeah, at least at least Germans would say so. <laughs> and you know, trust, Germans Germans say a lot of things. Trust Germans to call having a sense of humor a disease. Yes, <laughs> all the way. This actually, uh, the story was absolutely fantastic of how this became a disease. But let's let's mention the disease first, Josh, and and we'll round out our episode for today. So the go ahead because your German is so much better than mine. Witzersucht. <laughs> there you go. Witzersucht. Which is the curse of people who can't stop making puns, or Witzersucht, yes. a compulsive urge to crack jokes. 24 hours a day. Yes, yes, indeed. So, <laughs> so or it, it literally translates to addiction to wisecracking. Right. Uh, it, it, that's the, that's <laughs> the literal... It, it, it is not just puns, but it is all kinds of jokes. And this was actually diagnosed because a, a gentleman was making all these jokes... His wife was actually sick of it. And, and to be fair, evidently he had 50 pages worth of horrible, horrible puns and jokes. Um, have, here's a great Amateur. One. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a slacker, right? Just a slacker. So here, here's some fun ones, and I'm reading this right off of a article on on, on the BBC. And uh, Josh, do you mind if I tell this one? Is it okay? Please, please All take right. it away. Oh, uh, oh, can I do my German accent? Okay, my apologies to the German-speaking world, but I have to. Okay, I went to the Department of Motor Vehicles to get my driver's license. 
They gave me an eye exam, and here's what it said. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Can I have my license, please? And how do you cure hunger? Step away from the buffet table. <laughs> so <laughs> so just, just pages and pages. And it turns out that this gentleman had a stroke or a couple of... <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing at that. No, no. <laughs> but he had a couple of strokes. And, you know, there are centers in our brain which have to do with these, um, you know, just spontaneous flight of ideas. And there are parts of our brains which keep this constant stream of manic ideas kind of in place. And this is a lot of our frontal lobe, which suppresses the urge to shoot every damn thing out of our mouth. And it so happened that this was a goofy, witty guy, and he had a stroke in these areas. And now his normal sense of humor, which was always kind of there, just had to come out. Actually, he was thought to be very subdued in terms of his sense of humor until he had this stroke. And then he began having sudden compulsive joking. <laughs> so it is very... Po How do you make a Venetian blind? Poke him in the eye? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just read <laughs> So, you know... He, he might have had some level of sense of humor, but he kept it down, or maybe... He, but he was suddenly getting pleasure from the silliest things. And so, you know, the, the, that dopamine rush that he got that pleasure from hearing that joke, and all of a sudden he was cracking himself up. Now, another variant of this, Josh, for instance, is, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but people with some forms of schizophrenia, a little bit into the disease, can tickle themselves. Now, ticklishness is a very mental thing. There is some physical component, but there's also, oh, someone's coming at you to tickle you. Um, but you cannot tickle yourself, because partially because you can't sneak up on yourself that way. But there are some people who have the brain damage brought on by schizophrenia and they can tickle themselves and they'll laugh and giggle because all of a sudden that inhibition and that pleasure center, those wires get crossed. And so this is the same type of thing that he could crack himself up and eventually this came to a point where he had to crack himself up. And these particular brain lesions, um, this, you know, the Germans decided to actually give it a codified disease name. <laughs> and that's because it was discovered in 1929 by German neurologist Ottfried Forster. He was the Forster one to discover it. <laughs> <laughs> but not the laster. <laughs> uh. Oh, so what we've learned is that in... Germany, Santosh and I would be considered mentally incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A more broader sense, we'll call this frontotemporal dementia. Um, we'll definitely post this one, and you guys can laugh all about it and, and laugh your way through the puns. Uh, it does show that, 
you know, sudden changes in behavior, especially in people who are at risk for strokes, such as, as the very elderly or people who have vascular disease, even if it's a very goofy or, or um, funny side effect, maybe you should look for stroke. I don't know. If people seem like they're enjoying life too much, suspect them. <laughs> suspect brain damage. That's the point we're trying to make here. Um, and I think that's, that's <laughs> as good a place as any to end this week's Journal Club. <laughs> I, I will say one thing, which has nothing to do with medicine, but rest in peace, a very funny comedian, Gary Shandling, um, who tickled our funny bone and, and our frontotemporal lobes for many a year. So that wraps it up for this week's Journal Club. As always, we love your comments, feedback, concerns, questions, anything you want to say to us. You can reach us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash travelmedicinepodcast. You can tweet us. Santosh is at Toshi Froh. I'm at Dr. J Comedy. Ward is at Travel and Medicine. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Ledger. And we will post all the links to this week's stories on the Facebook page. And if I remember, I'll even post them in the show notes, but... I'm not making any promises. (laughs) He really isn't. In the meantime, continue listening to uh, the radio drama, Emergency at Corpati's Base. Give us your feedback. We will also be doing upcoming episodes include another Around the World in 80 Plagues and an interview with a psychiatrist, which is kind of like an interview with a vampire, but less fangs, and it won't (laughs) suck. Oh, bazinga. All right. You guys enjoy this episode. I'm going to take Josh into the closest CAT scanner that I can find. If only there was some sort of wearable one. (laughs) All right. Oh, I can use this tinfoil hat. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, as always, happy travels. Bye, guys. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.